Welcome to Dear Runner Bod, the pod dedicated to helping you embrace your runner's body. I'm Serena Moriardi, a registered dietitian and body image coach who wants you to stop dieting and start fueling the athlete within. While I am a medical professional, the information on this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not meant to diagnose, treat, or cure. Now, let's start rewriting your body's story. Welcome to another episode of Dear Runner Bod. Today, I have a friend on the podcast. Yes, she is my friend. So I am totally biased when I say I think she is wonderful. However, I think you're going to think she's wonderful too. Um, Talia Falador is a registered dietitian, nutritionist, and she is the owner of Falador Nutrition Services, where she provides virtual nutrition coaching and public speaking services. Talia's interest in nutrition started at a young age in the kitchen, making homemade recipes with her parents. Throughout her nutrition career, she has enjoyed bridging the gap between the health and culinary aspects of food. Her training in medical nutrition therapy has allowed her to support clients with a variety of conditions such as diabetes, cardiovascular disease, kidney disease, eating disorders, sports nutrition, Williams Williams Health, Woman's Health, and disease prevention and wellness. Talia loves helping her clients find creative ways to incorporate healthy eating habits that suit not only their dietary needs and preferences, but also their time constraints, budget, and culture. When she's not helping her clients, you can find Talia baking, reading, dancing, exploring new restaurants, running, or watching baseball. And I am going to list how to find Talia, but highly recommend you follow her on Instagram at body.trust.dietitian. She has a really funny reel on intermittent peeing. That is all I'm going to say, but highly recommend uh, checking her Instagram out and following her (laughs) and watching the reel on intermittent peeing. Okay, so before I introduce you to Talia and our conversation, today we're talking all about empathic women, how to really kind of prioritize self-care. I actually thought this conversation today was really wonderful because I think a lot of times when I talk about self-care, we kind of just immediately dive into like, what does self-care look like? Can you color? Can you take a bath? Can you go for a walk? And I think we kind of at this point know like in the back of our mind, what are different examples of self-care? What does it look like? And Talia did a really good job of kind of giving us some questions that we can ask ourselves to figure out which version of self-care you are craving, right? Like, do you need the walk? Do you need the time with a girlfriend? Do you need the shower? Like the hot, long shower, belting out Taylor Swift. Um, You know, she gave us some really great questions to go inside of ourselves and really kind of figure out what is our body missing? What are we craving? So even if you don't identify as an empath, I think you're really going to learn a lot from Talia. Um, I think it's a really great conversation. So I definitely encourage you to tune in. However, before we get into the podcast, I wanted to go into the review of the week. I wanted to share this week's review of the week who Sydney Chantal shared. So Sydney, make sure you DM me at Serena Marie RD on Instagram because you are the winner of a brand new masterclass. You can feel free to pick from one about body image, intra-run hydration, 
um, meal planning and meal prepping, you know, whatever you would like, you get it totally for free simply because you took a few minutes to leave a kind podcast review. So if you're listening and you're jealous of Sydney and you want a free masterclass, please just head to Apple Podcasts, scroll down until you see the leave a review option and just leave a five-star review um, with a little something, a little note. And that will help me not only spread the word about the podcast, but it'll help you potentially win review of the week. So what did Sydney say? Sydney said, positive, fun, and helpful. I found Serena's podcast from a list of recommended podcasts for runners. And now it's one of my favorite things to listen to while I run. The tone is so cheerful and encouraging. It really helps keep me going and always lightens my mood. I also appreciate all the practical information about fueling. I'm actually a dietitian myself, but haven't specialized in sports nutrition, and I enjoy learning from Serena's expertise. She presents things in a very accessible, relatable way. It's almost like I'm running out with a friend who happens to know a lot about nutrition. Yay, Sydney, fellow dietitian. Love it, love it, love it. That is awesome. Okay, my friend, so let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to another episode of Dear Runner Bod. I have my friend on the pod today with me today. Hey, Talia. Hi, Serena. How are you? I'm good. So Talia and I have a silly little story. I'll tell it. It's like five seconds. But basically, I saw Talia's um, card in my local running store. And it was like her business card was so cute. I followed her on Instagram. And then I was like, hey, girl, do you want to get coffee? And we have been friends ever since, which is just so fun to like know you in real life. Yeah. And I was also so flattered because I was like, whoa, this girl is like Insta famous and she wants to talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I don't know if I'd go that far, but (laughs) um, it's just so nice to have somebody who like gets it, especially since you're in the intuitive eating realm. I was like, oh my goodness, this is gold to have a fellow entrepreneur friend walking distance from me. I need this girl to be friends with me. And you have complied. So I appreciate you. I appreciate you too. It really was serendipity. Like we live so close to each other. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was awesome. I'm so happy I found your business card. I did take a business card, which maybe I shouldn't have in retrospect because like one less person who actually needs you found it, but I just didn't want to forget. I was like, I need to remember to do this. Um, (laughs) Okay. So Talia is here today because Talia specializes in working with women who are empathic. And I actually find, you know, this is definitely a generalization, but like, first of all, I definitely would consider myself an empath. I feel all the feelings. Like when I watch a movie, my husband's constantly like, Serena, like, you're not actually being murdered. Like you're not actually hiding from a murderer. Like stop feeling the feelings of the people on the screen. Um, And I find that a lot of the women I work with who are runners, I think like running helps us process our feelings. I think this is like a really common thing for empaths to take up. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think like exercise is something that like a lot of empaths tend to gravitate towards? varies because I find a lot of people that I work with are empaths and they have a hard time being okay with taking time for themselves Mm. and exercise sometimes is in that category of like this is me time Um, whereas some other people like you're saying it kind of helps like clear your mind and like just kind of recenter you so it kind of I feel like it's kind of 50 50 honestly 
Yeah. Okay. No, that totally makes sense that some people just won't even make that that window of time for themselves. I'm actually now, and I don't, I don't think we have like data or any research, but I'm like, I wonder if like, if we could get those people on board with exercising, if they would be like really into it, um, just because I feel like it's really, really helpful for me. Um, okay. So today we are focusing though our, on runners specifically or, or active women. And um, I think if you are somebody, well, let me ask you. So how does somebody know if they are an empath, if they have those empathic qualities? Like who are we talking to today, Talia? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think like you're saying, um, picking up on feelings and like feeling things very deeply. So even if you're just like reading a book or watching something on TV, you get very into it. And it's hard to like detach yourself. So an example would be like you're saying being so into it that it's like you're actually in the movie and like scared that something bad is going to happen to you because that's what's happening to the characters. But I think for me too, like I will watch a movie or a TV show and I can't stop thinking about it and it will affect my mood for like a few days um, in good ways and bad ways. So that's one key point. Um, I think too is just you're good at like recognizing how people are feeling or noticing like shifts in the social environment. If you're like out with friends or at a family event or whatever it is, you can kind of notice more like minor changes and what people are saying or how they're acting and what that might mean in terms of how they're feeling. Um, and then just generally being a very compassionate person, like really noticing um, struggles people are going through and like particularly wanting to help them or um, being a good listener and wanting to help people kind of like work through things. Um, yeah, I think those are the main main points. Yeah. I'm definitely an empath. (laughs) 100%. Okay. So, so, and I wonder, I feel like a lot of women can relate to at least part of this. Um, if, even if you're not like maybe checking the boxes for all three, I think a little bit of our, um, societal conditioning is for us to take on a little bit more of that, like, um, caretaker, um, empathic role, even if maybe that's not your nature. So I think even if you're not identifying as an empath, I think Talia is going to share a lot of really beneficial, um, tips and tricks for you today. So like, I guess my question would be characteristics, those personality traits. I think they make me, me, I'm like very proud to have those traits, but how is it maybe hurting is like really dramatic, but like how can it potentially be a negative um, thing to hold all those characteristics and those qualities, Talia? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a common theme I see, and this is something that I do myself, is like wanting to make everybody else feel comfortable. So if you notice, again, like if you're in a social situation and you notice there's a shift in that emotional energy, like even without having any confirmation that maybe somebody is upset or angry or whatever it is, trying to like make sure they feel comfortable. Um, even maybe at the, at the expense of your own comfort or your own happiness. Um, and I think that shows up with eating in a lot of ways because again, I mean, I think it's partially a societal pressure, but like as women, there's certain norms are expected to fit into, especially like just like physically with our bodies. And so kind of putting that in front of 
just your basic need for food and like your hunger and your fullness and making sure you feel good over like how you're looking. Um, I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. It's like if you are so wired to put other people's feelings and needs above your own, and I think food is something society is already telling women, like you shouldn't need to eat, like eat like a bird, right? Like all of these things that we internalize as little girls, then paired with the empathic kind of personality, like that can really be like double duty. You are neglecting the most basic of self-care, which is fuel eating. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And being sensitive to people's comments, like, oh, I can't believe you're eating all of that or (laughs) things like that. Like I take those things very personally. But for example, my partner is definitely not an empath and he could care less if somebody says something like that to him and he just moves on. But um, like internalizing that and really being like, oh, well, what is it? What are they? What do they mean? Like, am I like that? Do I do that? Or like, should I change what I'm doing? Um, Yeah. And you kind of go down like a rabbit hole with it. That is a really good point. It's like you kind of take that feedback really, really seriously and really internalize it and really ruminate on it. Um, Yeah, which is something, again, that I think as women in general are kind of conditioned to do. But if you're empathic, it may just like hit even harder. Um, Wow. Okay. I think that one is like a really like aha moment for me. So how do you, I mean, Okay. So first of all, I don't want to interrupt you. Do you feel like that's kind of like the reasons why being empathic, it can sometimes be a little bit more of like a negative to your ability to take care of yourself? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I am wondering how do you, since like this is something that you're doing with a lot of your clients, Talia, and your private practice, how do you start to create a ability in these women that you're working with to make them feel like they can maybe not put others first and they cannot take other people's comments um, as, you know, like so seriously. Like how do you work through that with your clients? I think a big one is when you're empathetic, um, kind of getting them in the frame set of thinking about, for example, comments people are making well, where is that person coming from? Why are they saying that? And I always tell people the comments that people make to you about how you're eating or what your body looks like, it's a reflection of them. So if someone's like, oh, how are you eating all of that? Well, what's going on with them? Maybe they're on a diet and they're just thinking about it from that lens of like, I can't eat that much. How can How is she doing that? Um, or if they're commenting on weight loss or like the shape of your body, they're probably thinking about the shape of their body and focused on weight loss themselves. Um, or maybe they just grew up in an environment where they were kind of surrounded by that kind of talk and it was just normalized. So I think that's a big piece, like trying to think about what the other person might have going on. And there's obviously not really a way to know for sure where they're coming from, but even just that um, first step of thinking about where they could be coming from is really eye-opening for people. Um, And I think, too, a good question I always ask is, well, what's the evidence that that is true or not true? Like, what actual factual evidence do you have to tell you that what they're saying or what you're thinking is true or not? 
And a lot of times people, just that question, they're like, oh, well, there really is no evidence. <laughs> it's just like yeah. assumptions that I'm making. Um, yeah. So those are two big pieces, at least with the mindset piece. Um, and then I think another big piece, and you probably work on this a lot with people too, is helping them understand like how they're eating, like timing and the amounts of foods they're eating usually it's not enough <laughs> and kind of connecting the dots between like that and the symptoms that they're having, whether it's like fatigue or binge eating or their um, emotions and their energy levels throughout the day, their focus, their performance with running um, and kind of helping them understand, oh, this is happening because like you need more carbs here or you're not eating enough protein and then once they start to do that and they make the change and they see the difference in how they're feeling, they kind of start to trust that more and they start yeah. to get more in tune with, oh, what are my symptoms telling me versus like, well, this is what I was told to do and this is what everybody else does. So like, I just need to do it this way. And there's something wrong with me if it doesn't work. Do you ever find like someone is so used to putting themselves last and putting them other people first that they're like, that's not even a good motivator or it's hard to like get them to get curious about that as motivation, like having better energy or feeling like I know for me, um, like eating more helped me just feel so much more level headed. Cause I would be like really anxious and like really overreacting to things when I was constantly hungry. And versus when I stopped dieting, I'm like, I'm still like an emotional person, but like I'm way more chill. And so how do you like motivate someone who's just so I don't know. I'm actually thinking of a client I had recently and we really had to work through this, but she was like, I feel like I need to put my kids first. Like I can't stop to eat because like I got to put my kids first. Like who am I to like stop and eat lunch? Right. And mm -hmm. so how do you kind of like help to motivate that woman? A lot of times in those situations, I'll just ask, you know, what do you think would be different if you tried this or you could just keep doing what you're doing. Like, how would that pan out for you? Um, it's always your choice to keep doing that. But what's the consequence? Um, I think that's a good point. And then I also think just understanding where they're coming from and validating that. Like, yes, it is hard to put yourself first when you're not used to doing it, especially if you're taking care of kids. Like, and being a mom is really important to you. That's really difficult. Um but kind of digging back into like, what would be different if you started to do this? How would you show up better for your kids or for other people in your life? Um, yeah, I love that. And like, I honestly find sometimes using like the empathic personality like against, so like what you just said. So it's like, hey, like if you are eating more and or more, like I'm just going to put now back on me. I'm more level-headed. I'm less reactive, right? Like how am I a better like mom, friend, partner, how am I better at my job for my clients? Like I kind of like almost put it on the other people because if you care about the other people more than yourself, we can like still use that to kind of like trick the empath into being like, oh yeah, like when I'm nicer and less hangry, I am better at taking care of blah, 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 blah. And so, yeah, I think really just kind of like using that sometimes to motivate you to <laughs> take care of yourself as like backwards as that may be. If it works, hey, it works. Yeah, for sure. I think too, that just sparked something in me, like asking a mom, 
what do you want your kids to see? Like, do you Mm -hmm. want them to grow up and, you know, feed themselves throughout the day and like know how to take care of themselves? Because a lot of times that goes back to what did your caregivers model for you as a kid? Like, did you never see your mom stopping to eat lunch and just always putting everybody else first? And no shade on her, no shade on you. But like, what do you want to model for your kids? And sometimes that's the big that changes everything for them thinking about it that way. Yeah, it's really powerful cuz it's like you get to be like the generational like cycle breaker here of like just because I'm a woman just because I'm a mom doesn't mean I can't teach my child that you know a woman doesn't need food <laughs> to function. <laughs> you know it's so backwards, but it really is like what society kind of teaches us. Um yeah. Yeah, that's 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 like a really I feel like good um, tip or trick to share with somebody who is kind of com- thinking to themselves like, yeah, I definitely struggle with that empath um, personality. Um, so Talia, something I actually find in my practice is a lot of the women I work with, and this is whether you're empathic or not, um, will say to me all the time like okay, my self-care, like my moment for me, how I take care of myself is with a workout, is with running. And so I'm kind of curious in terms of like, how do you see, and and I'm really specifically talking about kind of like more intense, like moderate to high intensity cardio, um, like heavy lifting, like not kind of like a slow, like yoga, go for a walk type situation. But like, how does that fall for you in terms of like, helping a client kind of like take time for themselves. Is that really truly like a healing experience for your nervous system, for your body, if you are kind of constantly putting your energy into taking care of others all day? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Great question. I think I always go back to like self-care is care for you. Like that's literally (laughs) what the words say. So Mm -hmm. how is it filling your cup? How is it helping you show up? Like, how does it help you show up in your life? Are you over-exercising and you're exhausted all the time and maybe you're getting injured and that's making it harder for you to, like, be the best you? Or is it you're going for runs and you're feeling energized and, you know, reinvigorated and you're able to go back into your life and be happier and more present? Um, So kind of looking at, like, How are you feeling as a result of this? How is it affecting other areas of your life? And is it really filling your cup or not? And if it's not, then how do we need to adjust it to make it fill your cup a little better? Okay. So I think something like I want to pause here. What I'm hearing is just because you're saying to yourself, hey, six days a week, I take an hour to myself and I exercise. It's just me, myself, and I. That's my self-care it doesn't sound like we can auto- automatically assume that that's actually self-care. Mm-hmm. Totally. Okay. Okay. Because really what we have to do is kind of take it a step further and reflect on how that hour to yourself every day, how that's impacting the other pieces of your life. Yeah. Yeah. I think a good place to dig into with this too is like, what are your values? Like, do you value um, kindness and... I don't know. Um, I can't think of any other good values right now, but what are your values in life and how are you, how are those being honored? And like, is exercising every day for an hour taking away from like your relationships or 
your ability to show up as like a mom or a sister or a friend or whatever it is. Is it affecting your job? Is it affecting sleep? Like all these other things. Is it helping you show up better in your life or not? Um, which I guess I just said all of that before, but you know. Yeah, no, I. but I think it bears repeating because I do think we live in a society where, you know, it's so um, like fitspirational to like work out for an hour every day. And like no one is asking the other questions like, okay, and how much are you sleeping? How much are you eating? Like how is this affecting how you feel in your day-to-day life, right? Um, the values thing I think is really important because I find a lot of times – the values we hold for other people and how we treat other people are so contrary to how we treat ourselves, right? So if your mm-hmm. value, one of them is like pe- treating people with kindness or another one I find is like being present in your relationships and then you reflect on like how exercise is influencing your life and you're like, okay, well, I'm ex- actually exercising as self-punishment to earn my food. That's not kind, I'm exercising um, and not balancing that exercise with rest and fuel. Okay, you're not going to be present in your day-to-day life because your brain's going to be thinking, when can I eat next? When can I eat next? So Mm -hmm. like we need to look at those values and we need to think about not only like I want to act this way in society, but like those values apply to you too. Like you're a human being too. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. we need to like let it make sure it goes both ways. Um, Yeah, I think that's really – Helpful. I love the how does this fill up your cup? Like, does this fill up your cup? Um, so I think it can be really scary though if someone's listening and they're having that realization of like, oh crud, like I love my exercise. I really don't want to like let it go, but I also am acknowledging like I'm not doing the best job of balancing it to make sure that I do have the reserves to handle exercise. So like I guess, Talia, like if someone's having that like, oh shit moment right now, how do we, like, what do, where do we go from here? Yeah, yeah. It is very scary. I mean, I went through the same thing. It was very hard for me to like cut back on that. Um, so I know how it feels and it's difficult. Um, I think a good place to start is, again, those values of like, how are these being honored in my life and how is exercise impacting that um, and kind of bringing that to the forefront. And instead of thinking like, oh, if I cut back on exercise, I know a big fear is like body changes. Um, But maybe thinking about on the flip side, like what else would be different that would be positive? Like, again, maybe I would not be as obsessed with food and show up better in my life. Maybe I would be more kind to myself. So I think thinking about it that way, but Also digging deeper into a lot of times we have these automatic like initial fears and we don't think beyond that just automatic thought like, oh, well, if I don't run every day for an hour, like I'm going to gain weight. Okay, well, let's dig into that more. Let's see if that's actually true because a lot of times it isn't. Um, And then on the other point of that, like what's wrong with gaining weight? That's a whole other like you know, pile of can of worms we have to dig into, so to speak. But the bigger fear isn't necessarily like, just letting go of the exercise. It's like, what's going to happen. And sometimes just digging deeper into that and kind of teasing out like what's true and what's not true is is huge. I think it's really I I love that you kind of volunteered that like you had this journey as part of like your you know, your expertise, your background. And so I honestly think 
um, having like a, a background with disordered relationship with food and exercise, I feel like it makes me a really I think it makes me a better provider. Like I'm just going to say it. So mm-hmm. I, I'm really curious, like when you, so, so if I'm understanding correctly, like you feel like at one point in your life exercise, you were exercising to a detriment to your, your health. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So how did you like have that aha moment? Like, oh, this is not serving me. And like, how long did it take to kind of like unlearn it? Like what was maybe like a little bit about like what actionable steps you took Talia? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think I had a lot of little aha moments that didn't force me to change right away. But like, I mean, I was prioritizing exercise over like social time or time with my family. And it was pointed out to me many times by people like, oh, I feel like you think exercising is more important than like spending time with me. Someone literally said that to me. And I was like, oh, well, I guess that's kind of true. Like, that's literally what I thought to myself, which is kind of sad to think about. Um, And even just noticing, like, just being mean and, like, just unhappy and um, grumpy and, like, not liking that I was doing that, but, like, not really knowing how to stop or being scared to stop exercising. So kind of just accepting that, um, which did not feel good. but honestly, I didn't really, I, I would say cutting back on exercise, I almost was like forced to, like I moved and I didn't want to pay for a gym membership because it was expensive. There you <laughs> so go. I started like exercising at home and just didn't spend as much time doing it. And I was just like, oh, everything is okay. Like my world did not collapse because I'm not exercising as much. Um, I had an injury. So like that forced me to cut back on exercise. Um, and I think just surrounding myself with the right people. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I joined a running club that was really fun. And people like, weren't crazy about running and just did it because they enjoyed it and like supported everybody no matter how much they were running or what their ability was. And just being surrounded by more of those people and realizing like, you don't have to always be doing like tons of exercise in order to like be accepted and to be celebrated for what your body can do. Um, But I think just continuing to like decrease exercise and realizing, okay, everything's okay. Nothing bad is happening. And actually like things are feeling better because my life is fuller now. Wow. I really love that story. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> yeah. um, I love that the people like surrounding yourself with the right people like that. I, I really love that advice. And I think even if you're a person who exercises like solo um, and maybe for whatever reason you can't like go find a running club or go to a fitness class, like maybe it's your social media. Like you unfollow the hardcore like team no days off run streak people and you follow people like Talia and me. <laughs> like, you know, beyond that, like you follow people who um, use exercise to make themselves feel good and to, um, you know, really kind of like are okay with taking rest days and listening to their body. We need to talk about Lagoon Pillows. You guys, as a pregnant woman who has noticed that sleep has gotten way less comfortable, I cannot tell you how grateful I am that this pillow is in my life. What happened? How did I find this pillow? Basically, I took a sleep quiz. 
I was taking the sleep quiz. I was like, uh, this is weird, but I took it and I was recommended that the otter pillow was the perfect fit for me. I'm like, okay, sure. Whatever. They send me the pillow and here's the thing. I did not know this about myself, but apparently I am an otter girly. (laughs) Otters and I get along just fine. Let me tell you right now. This pillow keeps me cool. I run really hot and it has gotten even worse since pregnancy. Um, But this pillow just keeps me nice and cool even when the heat is blasting in my house. I'm able to customize the amount of fill. So as a pregnant woman, some weeks I want it to be harder and more supportive. Some weeks I want it to be a little bit softer and fluffier. So I take out that fill. It takes like five seconds. It's really easy and it just makes it extra cushy and comfy. And I think the thing that I really love about this pillow so much is I was constantly alternating between really hard pillows and really soft pillows, trying to find the right support for my neck. You know, as uh, an active person, I like to lift weights and I feel like my neck is always getting stiff. I think between like lifting and sitting at my desk, my neck is not a happy girl. Well, guess what? Since the otter pillow, my neck is so much comfier. And so all this means is that I now get a way more comfortable night's sleep. I am way more rested when I wake up in the morning and I feel so much more energized for my runs, for my workouts. And I am so obsessed. I really want to know if you are an otter girly too. I would love for you to head over to lagoonsleep.com. Lagoon is spelled L-A-G-O-O-N, lagoonsleep.com. You should take their sleep quiz. You should see what pillow is the perfect fit for you. And let me know on Instagram if you're an otter girly just like me. If you decide you want to try the pillow out, see if it's the right fit for you, use the code Serena Marie RD. That is one word, Serena, S-E-R-E-N-A, Marie, M-A-R-I-E-R-D. And that code, Serena Marie RD, will get you 15% off your pillow. So give it a whirl. Let me know if you are an otter girly just like me. So did you um did you kind of slowly almost like um wean back on exercise or was because of injury it was like an overnight like kind of like withdrawal? Like how did you personally do it or how do you recommend it even for your clients we don't have to just like for your clients like do you tell them like okay just stop like go down to two days a week or do you wean them off it slowly like how do you do that um so for me it was definitely gradual and I think just like life you know so I was definitely over exercising when I was in college and I had the time to do that Right. And it was like, again, the people I was surrounded with were also doing it. So it was kind of like encouraged. But when you like go out on your own and you get a job and like I moved to a new city where I didn't know anybody. So I was trying to make friends. It just there's less time to exercise. So it just naturally started to happen. Um, And the injury just kind of changed how I was exercising. It didn't necessarily completely get rid of it. But just because it changed how I was exercising, I kind of cut back as a result of that. Um, And then to answer the second part with people I work with, um, I think I usually try to assess where they're at and what they're willing to try. Um, So again, looking at like how it's affecting their life and how their values are being honored or not honored. And sometimes even just talking about that 
they'll kind of say, well, oh, I need, you know, I need to spend more time with family or friends. So like, instead of working out this day, I'll go do something with a friend or I need more sleep. So instead of waking up every day at 530 to go to the gym, maybe I'll sleep in two days a week. Um, And they kind of come to it on their own. The only time I'll really ever step in is like, if I do think it's getting to a point of like, it's just medically not safe, um, because they're injured, or, you know, something else is going on. And it's something they definitely need to stop doing for a while. Um, But for the most part, it's usually like a gradual decrease. And it's something related to, you know, where is their cup not being filled elsewhere? And how can we focus more on that? I, yeah, I really, I really love that. First of all, I love that it's like individualized, right? There's not like, oh yeah, you have to do X, Y, Z. It's really about, and I think that's like something that's so like wonderful about working with a dietitian, a therapist, like whoever it is that you need in your corner supporting you. Cause it is, it is hard. Like it is scary and hard, but that person shouldn't just be bossing you around. It really should be like that teammate relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really, I kind of like how in your story, what I'm hearing is like you kind of started replacing the exercise with with fun, right? Like with the stuff that fills up your cup. Like, okay, mm-hmm. so now I'm going to running club. Now I'm living my life and meeting people and blah, 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 blah. So I feel like a really good way for us to kind of tie all this together, Talia, is if you're listening to this and because here's the thing, I love exercising. Like I love running. Like, you know, I definitely go through phases where I love it less or more, but um, when I'm, when I'm in a phase where I love it, like it really is something that I'm like, I want to spend like so much time running. Like it brings me so much joy. So if you're a person listening to this and maybe you're thinking, I need to figure out how to replace my exercise with self-care that is fun, that more is in alignment with my values, or I think even if you're like, I love running and I want to figure out how to balance it if you have time in your schedule, which isn't always possible. Like Talia, can we talk about like three to five ways that somebody can kind of like practice self-care um, that isn't exercise? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's get into it. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think one thing is... When it comes to exercise, how much do you actually need? Because like maybe you're doing a lot thinking that you need a lot or thinking that it has some added benefit, but it really doesn't. Um, And there's a lot of research on this that exercise is like there's like a bell curve, right? Like there's increased benefits to increasing your exercise. And then at a point that kind of stops and then you don't really get any like return on your investment past that. So do you really need to run like for an hour every day or could running for an hour three times a week be just as good? Um, Like what does the research actually say? And in fact, resting probably helps you more than like pushing your body to that point. So even just digging into the science of like what actually, how much actually do I need to get the benefits that I want? Um, So I think that's one thing. I think another thing is again, Where's your cup being filled? Where is it not being filled? And where do you want to start with in terms of refocusing some of that self-care? So I, a, lot, a question I'll, I'll ask people is like, what feels hardest to you right now? Or like, what feels like, what do you think about a lot that doesn't feel fulfilled? Or what do you feel like is missing right now? And that usually focuses people on like, 
oh, well, it feels hardest that I'm tired all the time. And it's like, okay, well, then maybe we need to focus on rest or I feel lonely a lot. Okay, maybe we need to focus on like your social life, your relationships um, or just like, I don't feel like I have a lot of like, I haven't done a lot of hobbies. I don't feel like my creativity is satisfied. So kind of honing in on that a little bit more. So kind of seeing where things feel hardest or things feel like something is missing. Um, that's a good next step. And then along with that, really brainstorming like exactly what you're going to do. So a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll get more sleep or um, I'll spend more time with my family. But what is how what does that actually look like for you? Like, how are you actually going to get more sleep? So I've literally talked through with people like, what time are you going to start winding down for bed? What time are you actually going to get into bed? Um, are you going to read or do anything else before you fall asleep? And when are you going to turn your lights out? Like the exact steps of what they're going to do. Or if they want to spend more time with friends, like, okay, make a list. Who are you going to reach out to? Or what events are coming up that you're going to go to? And like writing out the exact plan so that it's not just this general like, oh, I'm going to do this more or less. Like, no, we need to know exactly what's going to happen. Because <laughs> otherwise it's just this like, vague, mushy idea that doesn't go anywhere. And I think if you're an empath, it's so easy for you to be like putting yourself last. And so you're like, oh yeah, I'll make that plan later. I'll make that plan later. And then, mm -hmm. you know, five weeks go by and you're like, what? Like, I forgot I was supposed to be focusing on that. Mm -hmm. um, I really like how actually the way you answered this question with questions, because I think it really makes it more personalized to whoever's listening to this, right? It's not like, oh, go take a bubble bath. And you're sitting here and you're like, great, that doesn't apply to me. I hate baths. I think they're gross, right? Like, I love <laughs> how you kind of dove into like, I think, so my, one of my questions, I feel like this will be thought of, is every person's body and how much exercise is like, quote unquote, right for them? Is that going to vary? Or is there like one size fits all? Like, three days a week, this many minutes, like that's the answer for all, all bodies. Um, I don't think there's a perfect answer for all bodies. I think there is good reason. I think it depends too on the outcome. Like, is it cardiovascular health? Is it lowering your blood pressure? Is it training for a marathon? Is it bone health? Like it really depends on what they want to get out of it. Um, so that part is important, but I think as with all things, especially as dietitians, we're good at this because sometimes nutrition research is not clear cut, just kind of looking at the data. And again, how does this fit this person and how maybe might it not fit? So kind of finding that like gray area of usually it's a range. So maybe it's three to five days or maybe it's um, the, the window of time that they're exercising might vary. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah, I, I think it answers it with like, it is this very, you know, nebulous. I, I don't think there's going to be like, oh, women who are this age should exercise this amount of time. And, you know, I think because one, I think what you said is the question is like, what are we trying to achieve here? Right? Like if you're trying to PR a marathon, you might say, well, I'm actually going to sacrifice being present with my family and like all these things for this temporary goal. And whether that's good or bad, like 
it, it's up to you. It's your life. Like it's your decision. That's okay. Um, I think if we're doing that season after season, we're never resting. I think that is potentially damaging. <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't co-sign that one. Um, but then it's like also with running and with physical activity, we have to look at how we're balancing it in the system. So somebody who's running five days a week for an hour, but is eating in, you know, sufficient calories and is doing, has time to, um, I don't know, six days a week might be a lot, but like, you know, is taking rest days, going for the massage therapist, you know, once a week, like, you know, if you really have the resources and the time to balance out that intense activity level, you can absorb more stress than somebody who has two young kids, can't sleep through the night, and she's waking up at 5.30 to exercise for an hour every day. It's going to be widely different what her body can tolerate versus the college student who maybe has the money to pay for the massage therapist and has the free time. Like, you know, it's just, it's different seasons of life are going to call for different amounts and doses of exercise. So I think that's a really great place to start is like, what's realistic for me? It's not lazy. If I right now in this season of life can't sleep enough or do the mobility, do the rest, uh, do the recovery, you know, well enough because I just don't have time. So I love that that was like kind of the first question. And then my favorite question you asked was like, what's missing right now? Like, ooh, like that just like hits me in the chest. I'm like, yeah, like what are you craving? Like what did – if you think back to a time in your life when you were happy, and I'm sure you do this with your clients, like a lot of times we'll think back to like, oh, I was in my thinnest body. Like that's why I was happy. And it's like, okay, but actually, like when we we're thinking of that memory, like what were you craving? Was it the acceptance? Was it the social scene you were in, right? Like what is it that like life was giving you that made you happy? So these are some, I'm like word vomiting all over you, Talia, but like these are some like really powerful questions that you're leaving us with. I freaking obsessed with that answer. Oh, yay. Thanks. I mean, that was exactly where my brain was going. A lot of times when I ask that question, like, well, when you were really happy, like, what was going on at that time? Like, oh, I was really thin. Okay, what else? Like, your brain is really connecting the two. But like, there were a lot of other things about your life that were probably different that were bringing you happiness. Or again, like you're saying, maybe you just like felt more accepted because of being in a thinner body. And maybe you're craving acceptance. I'm word vomiting now as well, but we're on the same page. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that the way you answered that question was brilliant. I love it. Um, okay, so every single um, person who comes on the pod has to answer this question. So before Ooh. you leave us and let us know how we can find you and follow you and work with you, Talia, I want to hear, you know, so often in our community, women are talking about why they hate their body, don't like their body. And I want to ask you, Talia, why do you actually love your body? Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I think I feel hmm, there's a lot of things coming to mind, but I think a connection to family is a big part of it. Um, like my dad has always told me that, like I have the same hands as his mom, um, and like. A similar build to like his side of the family um and my hands have like I play the piano I haven't played it in a while but like I have very long fingers which has like been helpful for playing the piano um so that kind of is something I always thought about um but I think 
also just thinking about like what I'm capable of in my body is really cool to think about. So like, I, I love to dance. So being able to dance and like seeing my body, you know, learn new things and be able to adapt to that is another cool thing. Um, that kind of caught me off guard though. So I don't know if I gave you a good answer, but <laughs> I, I know. I mean, I don't know if I'm just like praising you too much here, but like, I love the hands answer. Like, I love that you're saying like, it reminds me that I'm part of this family and I look, I don't know, like that's a really unique response. So I, I love that answer. Yeah. I, I love that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Okay, Talia, so if someone is listening and they want to learn more about maybe following you, working with you, anything that you would like to share so that people can um, keep in touch with you, please do. Yeah, um, I'm most active on Instagram. My handle is Body Trust Dietitian. Um, I have all the info on there about like how to connect with me and work with me if you're interested. I have a newsletter. Um, the sign-up form is on my Instagram as well. I have a website, peace, as in like world peace, peace and pancakes, um, com. <laughs> I have, again, all the info on there about how to work with me is there. I also have a blog with lots of free info, and I have some freebies on my site as well. Um, yeah, and I am, I right now I'm only doing one-on-one coaching, but I am planning on starting a group program in the next few months. So keep your eye out for that. Um, yeah. Awesome. And I will have everything linked in the show notes as well. So you can just go click and follow Talia, but we forgot to talk about intermittent peeing, but I'm going to leave that as like a juicy little tidbit. Follow Talia, (laughs) find the reel at intermittent peeing. I was peeing my pants laughing. I was so (laughs) obsessed with it. So that's like a little like motivator joke go follow her. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time today, Talia. This was awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was really fun. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Dear Runner Bod. If you enjoyed what you heard, remember to subscribe and make sure you share today's episode. Also, if you're looking to download a free three-step guide to love your runner's bod, then head to serenamarierd.com. Can't wait to chat with you next week.